This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Golf's toughest test returns to the place where Tiger Woods had one of his most famous triumphs, 121st United States Open Championship begins on Thursday at Torrey Pines, and Nick and I are here to give you a full preview. Welcome into this edition, Nicholas. How you feeling, Joe? I just gotta, I just gotta warn the folks. I'm, a, I'm a little under the weather. My, my, uh, the weather. My, my radio voice has abandoned me. But, but this is what we're stuck with for today. But it is the U.S. Open, so I think people can can suffer through it. And I watched. The last nine of the U.S. Women's Open, I, I squeezed it into my very, very busy schedule. Maybe even the last eleven, because I turned it in, turned it on, and Lexi had a five-stroke lead through eight holes, and just bogey by bogey by bogey, she gave it away. And normally meltdowns, it just kind of made me think like meltdowns happen in like all shapes and sizes. Like that was a slow death. Sometimes it's just one fell swoop. You know, you got the Mickelson meltdown where it's just like two bad decisions in a three-minute span and you're just done. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't mean to say that got me excited for, for the U.S. Open, but it definitely it definitely brought the theater, the the dramatic, the, the, the what we all hope to see from a U.S. Open. Yes, it made it, it – it... it made it a very competitive U.S. Women's Open, and it was it was a great event. It's – I never like to see a meltdown, but it's always this morbid curiosity when it happens. It's I feel like I feel like a sense of responsibility because when she was up by five, I'm like, well, I don't want to see her just run away with it. Like I'd like to see it get interesting, and then I'm like, okay, well, like no, I still want her, I still wanted to win though, but like no, I, I, you still got to win. Like come on, and then she, you know, she obviously didn't. Yeah, and a teenager ended up winning. Yuka Sasso taking it in a playoff. Uh, she's Filipino, Japanese teen. Pretty amazing to keep your stuff together and get it done on that venue. That was as bad as Lexi was. It was equally as impressive by Sasso. Yeah, that was awesome. So what do we got in store for the big show this coming week? Oh, Nick. So we're going to debut a, a new segment 
and then of course we're gonna get to the venue. We're gonna get to our picks. And also you have a would you rather, which I'm very excited to learn about. Yeah, I think it's gonna be fun. Big I think, episode. I think your answer out. will be predictable. Okay. As <laughs> as as mine will be. Very good. Okay. Um folks, I have no prior knowledge of this would you rather. So it's my, be- my prediction is it will be predictable. Okay, we'll very see. good. Totally off the cuff. Now before we dig into the U.S. Open, I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but Nick, we're going to debut a new segment on At The Turn called Golf is Dumb. There are many times where the sport of golf that we both love and sink a lot of time into playing, thinking about, talking about, is just dumb, and it's very difficult to rationalize some of the things associated with it. Exhibit A and our first entry into Golf is Dumb Nick, are you familiar with what happened to Mark Hensby on Thursday of the most recent PGA Tour event? Negative. So Mark Hensby, been a pro golfer for 26 years, played in 193 PGA Tour events, and he's made nearly a million bucks over his career. So not won a ton, but made a nice, nice living chasing the white ball. 49 years old, played only in his second event in three years, He saw a 3-over-74 turn into an 84 in the first round of the Paul Meadow Championship when he was assessed a 10-10-stroke penalty. Now, I've made all kinds of penalties in golf. I've never been assessed a 10-stroke penalty either by some sort of tournament committee or my playing partners or even on myself. So you may be asking, how could you get a 10-stroke penalty? Let me tell you. Started on a par 5 when Hensby hit his third shot into the water near the green. The Australian dropped the ball, played out the hole, then played four more holes before inspecting that ball closer and receiving a nasty surprise. Turns out that Hensby picked up a ball belonging to fellow pro Pat Perez while warming up on the putting green before the tournament and then dropped that ball on the fourth hole. What are you saying, Joe? That's no big deal. I play with seven different balls every kind of round. Well, you're not on the PGA Tour. That is a egregious penalty. Playing with a different ball in a round is illegal. and Basically because tournaments don't want players switching balls depending on the shot or the hole, which you understand, right? If you have a par five, you don't want them switching to a distance ball. They got a par three. Don't want them switching to a softball or a spin ball. So Hensby called over the senior tournament referee and received a two-stroke penalty for each hole played with the wrong ball, adding up to 10 strokes lost. Now, Nick, there used to be a maximum penalty of four strokes for this sort of penalty. But a rule change in 2019, you should call it the Hensby, opened up Mark for the extreme punishment. And as you would expect, he withdrew after the first round when he fired an 84. So there it is. Golf is dumb. Wow. Um, there's a lot to unpack there, really. I mean, it, it the argument could be made. It's like golf's version of Deflategate if you just start, like, switcherooing the ball. Now, you mentioned that it was specifically was Pat Perez's ball. Did it, like, say Pat Perez on the side? Like, did you just find out later that's who whose it was? Like, was it a different – was it not the same make and model of the ball? Because this is my question. Because if they're both playing a Pro V1, like, in that – circumstance and i don't know for sure but i think it would be okay because you'd have to say like hey i'm playing pro v1s this tournament right so but if it's a different model of ball that would make sense that you you can't play it but why would you 
need four holes to notice it. Uh, <laughs> and if it falls under the like playing somebody else's equipment rule, then I could see that. But since he grabbed it before the round, I don't know. All good questions. They were both playing Pro V1s, which is probably why Hensby didn't notice immediately. There was an identifying mark on the ball that Perez had, but apparently it was very, very subtle. It was a Sharpie mark, and that's what tipped Hensby off. He looked at it, and he was went to his caddy and was like, uh, did we start marking the balls different? And his caddy looked at him like, I don't think so, and I'm sure was very scared at that point. And that's what they called the rules official over to say, hey, look, this isn't my ball. What do we do? And he had played four holes. But to your point, if they are using the same brand and same model of golf ball, you're not at a competitive advantage by using someone else's ball. But to play devil's advocate, I do understand needing to have a blanket rule to make sure that everyone is on the same page and adhering to the same regulations. Yeah, no, I thought the rule was, and I clearly I'm way off. And I'm not saying the tour got it wrong, but I, I always thought the rule was you just had to go in and part of your registration, whatever for the tournament was like, this is the make and model of ball I'm playing. I'm playing, you know, playing a pro V one and then, okay, good. As long as you're playing a pro V one, no problems. Well, and especially since he had the ball in his bag before the round started, that's the, that's the other thing. It's like, it, it's not like he, he like borrowed a ball from his partner or played the wrong ball or anything like that. He, it was in his bag when he, Showed up at the first tee. Why do they give a shit where it came from? Well, that's what I first thought was maybe he went into a hazard and he thought he saw his ball and it was someone else's ball and he played the right ball. But the ball was in his possession. So I guess it was just because there was a identifying mark on the golf ball. That wasn't something that he reported prior to the round. So it's different equipment. Again, Nick. Ludicrous. The title (laughs) of this segment is Golf is Dumb. I think we've proven that. that is dumb. Did I tell you about the time? And I just just a, qu- a quick quick digression. Do it. And then I, I I I hold out with the wrong vice ball. As you know, I still have a stockpile of, of vice golf balls. As do I. And I think it was this year. It was the start of this year when Vice started and I, I noticed the day before Vice was on the shelves at Walmart. I was surprised by that, but whatever didn't think twice of it. Hit a ball, just a little bit squirrely, not not too bad, but it was in some rough near the green. And I walk over, I was playing a vice. I walk over, there was, I was playing a vice four. There was a vice four right there. Didn't, did not even think twice. Uh, hold out. And I pulled out of my pocket on the next tee. And it was a, it was a different model. Like I was playing a, a pro and it was a pro soft or something like that. I'm like, wait a second. This is hundred percent. Like I, I've never even owned this ball before. And uh, yeah, but I did not incur a, a, a two or say. a 10 stroke penalty on myself. I just walk off it. the golf course. I just, <laughs> no, I, I finished my round and I, you know, I just took the score that I made. Yeah, as you should. Sorry, sorry USGA. <laughs> yeah, if, if if the gin people are listening, they're going to disqualify you from any future events going forward. Nick, should we get to the U.S. Open? Let's do it. Yeah, this is ridiculous. Okay, the venue, Torrey Pines. Very famous venue. Hmm. Torrey Pines the- Municipal Golf Club. Yes, yes, it is It is a it is a muni. So I'll, I'll, I'll get to that here in a second, Nicholas. So a little bit of history. You've probably heard of it. Well, since the late 1960s, Torrey Pines has hosted the Farmer Insurance Open on the PGA Tour, whatever the sponsor used to be. It's held annually in January February. Tournament uses both courses, the first two rounds, and the South course for the final two rounds. The South course is what they're going to play the U.S. Open on this week. Tiger Woods has won the Farmers. Nick, do you know how many times? I'm going to go with seven, Joe. Seven is correct. Do you know how many times Phil Mickelson has won the Farmers? 
I'm going to go with zero. Three times. Yeah. Last Whoa. time in 2001, Torrey Pines hosts the San Diego City Amateur Golf Championships every June and the Junior World Golf Championships every July. So a venue that gets a lot of traffic, not only from the public, but prestigious events, not only domestic, but also international as well. Of course, it hosted the very famous 2008 U.S. Open on the South Course, won by Tiger Woods in sudden death after an 18-hole playoff versus Rocco Mediate. Nick, they went away from the 18-hole playoff format after that event. So unless they go back to it, that's going to be the last 18-hole playoff that we see at the U.S. Open, which I don't like. I love the 18-hole playoff. I know it's on a Monday, but I love it. Yeah, n- not enough credit gets gets given to that event for it being the, the playoff went to a playoff. Yeah, it was a great event. Yeah. Monday so was, it was spectacular. 91 holes. So which is kind of which is kind of ironic because you say like now we can't determine the US Open with a with a one or a three hole playoff. We gotta we gotta play a whole eighteen hole playoff. And then they do that and they're like, well we can we can settle this with a with a one hole playoff. Yeah. How about Rocco? And I know Tiger won and he did it on a broken leg and that's all well and good. How about playing Tiger Woods dead even for 90 holes at the U.S. Open and having to do it one-on-one with the U.S. Open on the line? I mean, Rocco was predicted to shoot like an 80, and Tiger was going to walk away with it. Didn't really happen. Rocco had a putt to send it to a 90-second hole, a 20th hole on Monday. He missed it, and that was it. I mean, it's arguably one of the best performances in a major championship that someone has lost, certainly this century. I mean, it goes right up there with Bob May in the 2000 PGA Championship of Valhalla. Certainly Phil Mickelson at the 2016 Open against That's Henry Stenson. That's one that comes to my mind, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's those epic performances. I mean, Phil Mickelson has the second lowest score in relation to par in British Open history, and it happened in a year that he did not win the event. Like, it's pretty – Cam Smith probably should be on that list too, shooting four rounds at Augusta mm-hmm. last November. But, Nick, I digress. You mentioned it. Much like Beth Page Black, Tory Pines – has a unique method to ensure continued public access to the course. On weekends, individuals arrive as early as 6 p.m. the prior night to get in line for the first-come, 1st first serve tea times that are given out from sunrise until the first reservations at 7.30 a.m. Would you ever do that? Yes, 100% I would. I, I oh. would do it at Beth Page. I'd, I'd do it at Torrey. I think um, I think there's like a, an experience in that. It's like tailgating a, a big football game, you know? Like you 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 get your bros, you're out there with your cool full of beers, everyone else around you's got the same vibe going on. There's you know, there's there's barbecue stuff going on. It's, it's just a tailgate vibe and like everyone's excited for the same thing. So I think there's I think there's something cool about that. I wouldn't do it like all the time, but like for sure for the experience, I would do it at Tory and or I would do it at Beth Page. Well, it's probably a lot like tailgating in the sense that the tailgate is often better time, a better time than the game itself, which that could be the case for Beth Page and Tori because you're sleeping in a car, you're with your bros. What are you counting on? Like two, three hours of sleep. And then you got to wake up, pull your stuff together, and then play the hardest golf course you ever played in your life. Like it's probably not going to go great. So it's more of a photography opportunity as opposed to, uh, you know, trying to break 80 out there. Yeah, for sure. Do, do it for the grand. But what about you? Have you you you've you've made your way to some of these courses? You've played Pinehurst, I believe. No, you've played you've played. Chambers I played Chambers. Bay. I've played. I've played Bandit. I've never. I've never done one of these where you have to sleep in your car. Um, that, is that where you draw the line? <laughs> I think I would do it. I think I would do it if I had the the right group of guys around me. Um, but I'm a creature of habit, Nick. 
I like I like my warm bed. I like my shower like in bed. the morning. My square meal. I'm already I'm already planning. We have a tournament this weekend. I'm already planning how I'm going to go to the bagel shop the night before to have a nice sweaty teddy in the morning before the round of this tournament we're playing. These these sick thoughts are already going through my head. So while I'd probably do it once, I don't know if I would do it more than once. Like I I, I definitely want my comforts before I play a round of golf. Yeah, I, I hear you. Do you want to dive into Would You Rather? I'm very excited about this. Okay, yeah. Would you rather? I'll, I'll bring that up. So, Joe, do you know how much the winner gets for winning the U.S. Open? If you don't know, it's fine. I got the number right here in front of me. Can I guess? Yeah. 2.3. That's a, that's a damn good guess. However, since we're playing prices Right rules, you went over. <laughs> you are a loser. Two and a quarter. God, Two I was going to I swear to God, that was my first guess. And $50,000 wow. go to the winner. <clears throat> okay. Now, Great. Joe, as you know, if you're an amateur and you win the U.S. Open, you don't get paid, but you won the U.S. Open, right? So my question to you is would you rather win the U.S. Open as an amateur? Like like literally next year, you, you qualify, you make it through all the qualifying, you show up. I forget where it is next year and – you win. Joe Simons is is the winner of, of the 2022 U.S. Open. That's the plan. And you get no money, but you've won the U.S. Open. Or would you rather be drunk at the bar tomorrow night and win $2.25 million playing Keno? Yeah, this is an easy choice. I think my answer is going to be predictable. I would rather win the U.S. Open as an amateur because – million is great, but what does that mean? I don't have to work as much. Probably take a couple years off. I can travel. I can play a lot of cool golf courses. What does winning the U.S. Open as an amateur mean? Well, first of all, it means I'm good enough to win the U.S. Open, so I probably have a budding career ahead of me. And what the U.S. Open gets me is a hell of a lot of exemptions into a ton of events that I can start cashing checks on. And... I've done something that basically no one has done in the modern era, win a major as an amateur, win the U.S. Open as an amateur. Even though I'm not going to get money from the event itself, the amount of money that I'm going to get in endorsements and appearances and books and podcasts and movies, the Golf Channel will be making a movie about me before we even got to the British Open. Like, they would cast, I'm going to go with Miles Teller, would, 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 would play me in a movie about my victory as a 2021 U.S. champ. What do you think of that cast? You're already casting the movie, Joe. That's incredible. That I that is that is that is a predictable. Yeah, right. Joe Simon's answer. I love it. No, I love it. Um, so my answer actually is is also w- win the U.S. Open as an amateur, but but not quite for for not. I mean, you kind of took the question a little too literally. I mean, <laughs> did I? My, I was kind of taking the money out of it. So for me, like. Winning the U.S. Open, like, you're going to go down in, like, the history books. It hasn't been done since the 1930s. Um, obviously, we, we've all – we just watched the movie where, where Francis we met won the U.S. Open as an amateur um, in the early 1900s. But it's a different ball game today than it was in the early 1900s, the 1910s, and the 1920s and 30s. It's a lot harder to win it today than it was back then. So if, if an amateur were to win it this year or next year or any time in, in our lifetime, like – that would be one of the most epic sporting events in in history. And, there, and there's no doubt about it. So to be part of that and like 
I'm not trying to parlay this into a movie. I'm not quite sure who would play me. I'm not quite sure which shows I would do, which ones I would have to decline. You know, I haven't made those decisions yet. Uh, just to be part of that history is why, you know what? The money would be great playing Kino. And I do love drinking some beer, eating some pizza, and playing some Kino. And it would be fun to win the money, but I don't really. You know, life-changing money is just that. It's it's life-changing and like I kind of like my life and I'm sure having a bunch of money would be pretty cool, but you know, you don't really know the other things that come along with that until it's too late. So uh, I'll win the U.S. Open. Now, <laughs> that's a very that's a very interesting answer. Um, there's just a lot that goes along with winning the U.S. Open and you could even make the argument that doing so as an amateur would be... And I know money wasn't the main driver here, but you could argue that winning the U.S. Open as an amateur would be more lucrative long-term than it would be as a professional. Like, I could rip off so many names of U.S. Open champions that disappeared immediately after winning the U.S. Open. But... You know what I... Go ahead. Francis, we met, won the U.S. Open over 100 years ago, and they're making movies about him. So... It's a little bit of a different thing when someone who is that much of an underdog ascends to the greatest heights. For sure. The, the the one tournament I would want to be part of if I won the U.S. Open as an amateur would be the next edition of the match and go head-to-head or maybe be teammates with Phil Mickelson and just have the ultimate trump card for shit-talking with Phil Mickelson. Who would you – so would it be a one-on-one or who would be in this foursome? Who would you pair with? Ooh. You know, I I feel like I'd have to be on on Phil's team. We'd have like a lefty righty situation. Yeah, I feel like I feel like our counterparts would probably be Steph Curry because I think he's he would draw a, a good audience. And then um, let's get a lady in there. Let's get like Danielle Kang. I love that. That's There's great the match. Yeah. That is the match. Hey, before we get to our picks, it's uh it's very humid in Portland today. I have to get some ice water. Can you tell the folks about uh, Precision Pro real quick? Yeah, no problem. So if you're listening to this podcast, and I know you are, there's no doubt you want to improve your golf game. And none of us hit all of our greens. It's just the way the game goes. But if you want to hit more of your greens, you need to get yourself a rangefinder. If you go to precisionprogolf.com, at the turn is going to save you $10 on any rangefinder you purchase. Pick out the best rangefinder for your game. They're already an incredible value. Type in code TURN10 at checkout. Save yourself $10 off of any rangefinder from precisionprogolf.com and start hitting more greens. Start shooting lower scores. And then maybe you can win the U.S. Open as an amateur. It's open to everybody, Nick. Anyone can qualify for the U.S. Open, but it is now time for our picks for the 2021 U.S. Open. Now, we nailed the Masters. Shout out again to Ashley for picking Hideki Matsuyama as the Masters champion. Unfortunately, none of us arrived at Phil Mickelson as the PGA Championship winner. We did make some, eh, we'll call them half-ass picks for the U.S. Women's Open. Neither of those came in. But, Nick, I feel so confident that we are going to identify the winner of the 2021 U.S. Open. I, I can't wait. And I just, I just, uh, I didn't wrangle up Ashley's pick before, but I just shot her a text and we'll see if she comes through with it <clears throat> with another winner. 
All I hope, I hope that she just re- replies Hideki and she picks him for a third straight major. That would be such a baller move. Just Hideki, a major Hideki. That's your winner. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to cheat. Are you ready for this? I'm cheating. Yeah. I'm taking, so typically Nick and I do a long shot contender and winner. I'm taking a long, long shot, baby. Just because I think it's important for the patrons of At The Turn to get the best value for their U.S. Open picks. Now, you better do this quick. I'm talking, this is this is Sunday afternoon. It is 4.33 in the p.m. Mm. 4.34, Nick, now. Portland, Oregon is. is when we're recording this. Uh, this guy just won the Palmetto Championship in his second start on the PGA Tour ever. His first start was the PGA Championship. I identified his name there. He just missed the cut. But he's won twice in Europe this season. He's arguably, maybe not even arguably, maybe he just is the hottest player in the world. South African Garrick Higo is 125 to 1 to win the US Open. Now, this is only his third start in the States, but he's he's 50% on the PGA tour. When he tees it up, he wins. And again, he won twice in Europe. Both of those winning totals were like below 22 under par. Like he's been lighting it up around the world. He's only 22. It's a hell of a long flight to get from South Carolina to Torrey Pines, but he's probably going to go private. And who knows? He's probably not going to win, but 125 to one for the hottest player on planet Earth. I like that. I'm interested to see how he does. It was it was an interesting pick for the PGA. He, he didn't, you know, he didn't show up like he like you were hoping. The Palmetto is a it's PGA to a win. But that field was was significantly watered down. I think Brooks and DJ were point. both I mean, in the field. Um, I, I I didn't even know Brooks was in the field. I did, it's because he, he missed the cut, the cut and, and flew right say, to Tory Pines. That's yeah, so Brooks. He just wait. missed the he cut for a major. Yeah, for sure. So that's my um, long, long shot, Nick. Okay, now I'll I'll dispense with the silliness so we can get into the real stuff. Now, please go ahead. My dark horse. And once I read you his resume, I'm gonna I'm gonna hide it a little bit. Once I read you his resume, you're gonna say there's no way this guy's a dark horse. Okay. He's tenth in the FedEx Cup standings right now. He's already got two wins on the PGA Tour this season. Joe has already identified it. I love it. Um, he has missed five cuts, which is a little bit concerning this season. But he is one of the best ball strikers on tour. He's made a major resurgence. Stuart Sink at one hundred to one is. My dark horse to win the U.S. Open. I'll tell you that is uh, that is black beauty. That horse, that horse is so dark. That is, I love it. I look good. Good for you. I hope old Stewie uh, figures something out. Arguably the most. He's got unpopular... two. He's got two wins this season. Sure. Okay. He he's sixth on tour in greens, Joe, and and I love a ball striker for the U.S. Open. Now, let me ask you this, and what I was going to say is he's probably the most unpopular major champion in history because he was the beneficiary of Tom Watson not being able to close the deal at the 2009 British Open, but did you look, because it is unique that we have a major venue where there's a regular tour event played there every season. Did you look at people, and you don't have to give away your other picks, but did you try to identify someone who plays well at this course specifically for your picks for this major? No. I didn't either. I, I I think in retrospect, you can say, oh, well, this makes sense because this guy plays good at this venue. But I don't think there's a one-to-one correlation. And guess what? I'm not going to use Tiger Woods as a uh, case study for what other golfers are going to do. 
No. In in a U.S. Open, first of all, I, I think a, not enough people understand this. It's two different organizations running this tournament. The PGA Tour does not run the U.S. Open. Like, the PGA Tour sets up the golf course. They want to set it up. The USGA sets it up much, much differently. So even though it's the same property, it's not going to be the same golf course they play every season. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I took kind of the same tact. I looked at people who've played well here, but you have three people who have won this event multiple times in this century. I, I told you two, Tiger and Phil. The third is Brant Snedeker, and he's not playing in this event. So you can't really look at that and say, well, one of these guys lights this place up and they're going to dominate. Uh, my long shot is a young gun. A couple of runner-up finishes the last two years. Yeah. Always, always near the leaderboard. He hasn't cracked through yet, Nick. Did have his first top 10 at a major at the PGA Championship. He's always around. One of the sweetest swings on tour. I love a guy who's 5'9 and under. Number 19 in the world at 50-1. to Abraham Answer, the pride of Mexico, is my long shot. Oh, that's that's a good one. So uh, you feel good about that? I do feel good about that. He feels like someone... I truly, he, he feels like someone that I could visualize on Sunday closing the deal, even though he hasn't done it yet on the PGE tour. This isn't 10, 15 years ago. These, these kids come out and they have all these experience in these giant events by the time they're 22, 23, that even though it is a major championship, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Abe got it done. Not at all. Okay. Okay. And I think to, to kind of correct you earlier, Abe was, was Ashley's pick for the PGA. Yes. So. Okay, I thought his name was familiar. See? Yeah, yeah. Same page, me and Ash. Well, I like yeah, it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, I've got a contender. Again, is he going to win? I don't know. Probably not. But Is he going to contend? Are, yes. Yes. The odds are too good because if you if you put five bucks on this guy, there's a pretty good chance you could have a really exciting weekend, whether or not you, you – Turn that five dollars into five dollars times eighty. Um, at eighty to one, up another player with two wins this season. Another player in the top ten in the FedEx Cup standings. In nineteen events, he's got five top tens. He's all over, and he's one of the best putters in the game. And I know I said I like ball strikers at the U.S. Open. This guy is fifth is in strokes it? gained putting. Jason Kokrak at eighty to one. <laughs> If that putter gets hot, Joe. You were blasting Kokrak the other day saying his no. I don't like him, but at 80 to 1, a a two time winner this year at 80 to 1, and that guy, he's actually like still in his prime window. Like Stuart Sink, obviously, he's in his late 40s. He's just trying to get into the, you know, he's just trying to survive until he can play on the Champions Tour. But Jason Kokrak is still like, in his mind, he's still in his prime. So. Uh, he's, he's having one of his best seasons, probably his best season, um, by far in the PGA tour. And, uh, why not convert it into a major? Wow. What a list of two time winners we have in the PGA tour between Stuart Sink and Jason Kokrak. Mm, that's the good stuff. Look, mm-hmm. those are, those are tasty numbers. I like those picks at 80 to one Kokrak. Kokrak is 26th in the world. It's not like he's some guy who's just kind of slapping around. Dude hits it a mile. He can make putts. I could see yeah. it. I could see yeah. it. And when you're that big of a hitter, you're always kind of in it. Like, Kokrak could be a guy who's like four back going into the back nine, and he'd have a chance to eagle 18, that crazy par five that they have. Um, so the opportunity exists. I like that pick, Nick. Um, cool. My contender is not 80 to one, not even close. He's not 
the literal favorite, but he's 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 one of the favorites going into this event. Four-time PGA Tour winner, lost in a playoff at the Memorial. He's already won a major at twenty to one. Colin Morikawa. Colin Morikawa. Dude has the right stuff. He really does. I love that pick. Oh no. <laughs> I know what that means. <laughs> Nick, who's your winner? Uh at 20 to 1, <laughs> a, a youngster who's already won a major. Um, no, it, it is Colin Morikawa. Um he's he is a, as young as he is, he is in the prime. He's one of the one of the best players on tour right now. Uh the thing He's the best player in the world uh, from tee to green, and that's not just my opinion. That is that is what the statistics. No, he sucks bear. at putting. If he puts um, well, he, exactly, he wins. Exactly. If he put, if he puts well, he wins, and I think that he knows that. And I think uh, I mean, he's obviously gotten it done in a major once before. The way he hits the ball, he just needs like he doesn't even have to like putt great. He just needs to putt okay. Like he just needs to not lose it on the greens. And if he can do that and have a couple of decent rounds putting and, and put some scores together, he he really should be one of the one of the one of the favorites to win. I got him at twenty two to one. Yeah, and, he's also and- a, a a Cali boy. He won his major in Cali. This one's coming back at Cali, so you know you got that little tie in there, that West Coast vibe. Well, you talk about when trying to pick these major winners, what can you visualize happening? And I can already see Morikawa coming into Sunday is like a one or two shot leader. And the whole time they're just talking about California kid. Oh, he's from California, grew up in Southern California, went to Berkeley's already won a major in California. Like you can see all of that in your mind and visualize NBC, picking that up, running with that through the entirety of the broadcast. So I think Morikawa is a good pick. I think Morikawa has probably uh, for a lot of people, it feels like coming into this event sort of supplanted Xander Schauffele as like the pick du jour of that 25 and under guy who's like the hot name because, you know, Morikawa's got the major Morikawa has four PGA tour range, which, which I think is what Xander has as well. But Morikawa has displayed a level of consistency hitting the golf ball that we really haven't seen in quite a while, especially for uh, how young his career is, the level of consistency that he's had. So I'd be surprised if he wasn't in the mix, at least at some point during the course of the week. Um, my pick to win, Nick, uh, this is just so gutless, but it's a name that we don't mention enough on here considering what this person has done. I'm not going to go into too big of an explanation here. Number eight in the world, four-time major winner, number one bro, Bryson's most hated adversary at 16 to one, which to me for this guy is a great number in a major. Brooks Kepka, number five. I think he's going to take home number five. It sounds dumb, but... I almost feel as though when Brooks plays bad going into a major, I like him a lot more because Brooks has said, I don't practice unless it's a major. Like I don't, I don't, I don't really practice. So he misses the cut in South Carolina, flies over to Torrey. And uh, I'm sure he's just been chilling on the beach, hanging out with people of questionable ethics and morals. And hopefully he takes home the U S open championship. Well, I did some, I did some research on Brooks because this, this Brooks Bryson thing got like, it, it, it flamed out in my opinion. It, 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 it did. After it, it like the lame. second we aired our episode, it got like, it jumped the shark like a day later. Exactly. But I still think the fact that Bryson is the defending U S open champion. I think I for sure think that motivates Brooks. Yeah, of course it does. And 
I didn't pick him because I'm like he he has sucked lately. His well, kind of his last five starts, he's got two T twos and three missed cuts. So that's he's, Brooks. You know, he's he's a binomial player. <laughs> um, yeah, but then I started to think. Well, I guess one more missed cut because I didn't I didn't factor in this week. But then I started to think, well, how does he perform before he actually wins his majors? Three out of the four majors that he's won, he's had a top five finish within the two within two starts before that major. This this one, same thing. He has a T two. Well, now it's three starts ago, but it's PGA. He he has some sort of form, which I think is all he really needs. So he for sure could come in and win. I mean, Brooks Brooks is not a hundred percent and Brooks was even less in physical condition at the PGA than he presumably is going into the U S open. And he still almost won. I mean, it took a damn near miracle from Phil Mickelson to assure that Brooks wouldn't win his fifth major at Kiowa Island. And I think Brooks is one of the rare players that can be at 80% and still win a major championship trophy because he has that attitude of like, I don't care what's going on around me. I'm the man and everyone else is going to falter because they're intimidated by me, which has proven to be true more often than not. Any chance the USGA, as, as you know, they like to get funny with their pairings the first couple of days, any chance we get a, we get a Brooks Bryson pairing on Thursday and Friday. I don't think we're going to be able to just because Bryson is the defending champion and they typically have the defending champion with the most recent major winners as well. Like, I think it's going to be Brooks, or excuse me, it's going to be Bryson, the U S amateur champion, and then probably, you know, Hideki or something like that. So because Bryce, if Bryson wasn't the defending champion, I guarantee, like, they love to do, like, oh, three fat guys or three Irish guys or three old guys or, like, you know, in 2008, they did one, two, three in the world. They paired Tiger, Phil. Who was number three in the world in 2008, Nick? I don't know. I'm going to guess VJ, but I have no idea. David That's DeBond, not a bad guess. Adam Scott. It was Adam Scott. Oh, yeah. yeah so sense. those three guys were paired together. 2008 first two rounds, but no, unfortunately, we're not going to get those two together. Yeah, I, I, also because of the feature group stuff, they like to like split up those stars. But maybe sure. on the weekend, which would be even better if we if we got like a even a Saturday Brooks Bryson because that's when they really separate themselves. Right. Sunday would just be like almost too intense, but I think like a Saturday Brooks Bryson would be fun. Yeah, because yeah, we're. We're playing golf on Saturday and Sunday. I don't, I mean, I'm going to bring, trust me, I have the solar phone charger that I'm going to bring out. And I hope the, uh, the coverage is better at the university of Idaho golf course than I remember it being 10 years ago. And, uh, just try to live stream that baby, but two names. I, need, I think we need to talk about, um, before we run off Dustin Johnson, number one player in the world. He was in contention at the Palmetto faded down the stretch. It's a long flight for him to get out there to Tory, especially after on Sunday. The motivation, it's always kind of a question for DJ. It's one of those things that if DJ missed the cut by four or one, I mean, neither one of those outcomes are going to be surprising. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's fair to question his motivation. I think I think he's motivated. I just don't think he wears it on his sleeve. You know, I think he's just a different a different cat than than a lot of people. So he definitely um, is. The the fact that he's number one in the world, I think I think his game speaks louder than you know his his press conferences um so i wouldn't i wouldn't question his motivation um i i think obviously with this one the palmetto being in south carolina they made a big deal of how that how important that was to him hometown event yeah yeah i mean the whole i love when your state becomes your hometown like i, I, I can't wait to, when, when when one of us wins the u.s open as an amateur like idaho will be my hometown like, i can't wait <laughs> 
But no, I think I I expect him to contend. He's number one in the world. If you're number one in the world, I expect you to contend. I I I don't give you a pass for missing the cut in the major if you're number one in the world. So the odds-on favorite is not DJ. It is it is John Rom, and not by an insignificant margin. I saw Rom today at nine to one, and the next closest was DJ at twelve to one, uh, along with Justin Thomas and. Uh, Rom is the odds on favorite for a couple of reasons. I mean, he, he has played well at this golf course before he got his first PGA tour win there a few years ago. And his form is spectacular. Despite not getting to win at the Memorial, he had a six shot lead after 54 holes at Jack's place. And sort of infamously now was told walking off the green that he tested positive for COVID and he couldn't finish the event. He did post on social media that he's had enough negative tests that he is going to be at Torrey Pines. I strongly, it was basically between Rom and Brooks for me for my winner. I went with Brooks just because he has the resume of winning before. And I think the, it could go two ways. You could have the mindset of, I was in maybe the best golf I've ever played in my life, like going into the final round of the Memorial. Or you could have the mindset of, that was a really weird thing to have happen, to have a six shot lead and get that taken away from me. And, you know, Rom is going to have this ball and chain attached to him of being someone who can't close the deal in the big event until he actually does. And someone who has that sort of narrative around him, fairly or unfairly, I think the logical conclusion to draw is having something of that nature happen to him is going to be a negative and not a positive or something that's sort of neutral. I'm not sure your opinion on that, Nick. I think it's more of a positive because you don't have the opportunity to have a negative. Like he didn't have the chance to have a meltdown on Sunday, you know? So he's just like on top of the world, almost literally. I mean, he's in the top, I think three in the world. He's the favorite to win. The last time he played golf, he was dominating. It wasn't that long ago. He never got any like, you know, I'm sure a lot happens between your last putt on Saturday and your, and your tee shot on Sunday when you have a big lead. And there's a lot of weird thoughts that can creep into your mind. He didn't have to do with any of that. So he just no. he just got all the good without any of that uh, weird stuff. No, and he was he was running away from the field. He looked absolutely unstoppable in that event. And it's not like it was all deference to the Palmetto Championship, but the Memorial is one of those top-tier PGA Tour events. You know, it's below the WGCs. It's below the Players' Championship. But it's kind of on that next tier with, like, Bay Hill and some of those bigger events in the PGA Tour. So it's an event of consequence. He could very well win the thing. I think it'd be really good for him and golf if he did because he's probably the guy right now. Like, we don't really talk about it anymore because so many young guys win majors, but is John Rahm the best player not to win a major right now? I, I can't think of an argument for anyone else looking at that top 10. Well, he was my pick to win the PGA, and I, I feel like it took some grief for that. And now he's, you know, well, we'll see. Yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be interesting. Um, Joe, what's, uh, what's, what's Phil going to do? More likely to win or finish second? <laughs> that would be brutality. I don't know if if the golf world could stomach that. Phil's going to be so he turns 51 on Wednesday, the week of the tournament. So he's going to be 50, so he has the opportunity to be the oldest major champion ever once again every time he tees it up in a major championship. Uh I think Phil makes the cut. I think Phil finishes okay. in the top 25 just because of the venue and the good vibes. Phil's not going to win. Like I almost okay. I almost picked him as the long shot just as a safety. Because for Phil to win the PGA, tell us all he's going to contend at Torrey because he knows the course well. And then to go and get this 25-year monkey off of his back and win the U.S. Open at his home course, like, that would be incredible. 
I don't think it's going to happen, but I didn't think it was going to win the PGA. So no one knows yeah. anything. Exactly. That That's the logic. It's like, well, Phil's not going to win. But like nobody thought he was going to win the PGA. So of course he could win. Yeah. But he's not I mean, going to win. Well, Vegas thinks he has a better chance to win than Jason Kokrak. I saw him at around 60 to 66 to one at this point, which I think is more. I don't think that's Vegas saying that they think Phil has a better mm-hmm. chance than like half the field. I think that's Vegas protecting themselves because they got absolutely destroyed when Phil won the PGA because he's a name and he was at incredibly long odds. Uh, yeah. I have a I have a Lacey pick for you. I don't I, I don't know if Ash came through or if she, Ash if she has not reported back with with her pick. That's okay. We can put we can put Ash's pick on the Twitter, which is frankly the only relevant pick that you should be listening to on this podcast. So we'll put that out on Twitter once we get that in. Uh, Lacey's going with a sweet swinging South African not named Gary Kigo. She's taking a 41 Louis Oosterhazen. Wow. Yeah. P- PGA vibes. He was in the mix. Uh, he's got a what, great golf What a swing. time to be a South African. Truly. Truly. Watch out for them in the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Higo's probably not even going to make it. Yeah. All right. I'll recap my picks, Nick. Uh, my long, long shot at 125 to 1. Garrick Higo, my long shot at 50 to 1, Abraham Answer, my contender at 20 to 1, Colin Morikawa, and my winner picking up his fifth major championship at Torrey Pines will be at 16 to 1, Brooks Kepka. Th- thanks for clarifying that because I wasn't going to say anything, but I was like confused if you snuck an extra pick in there. And now, I did. now, now we're all clear on that. I did. Okay, yeah. So uh, you uh, nice, nice, well played. Um, I've got a couple, couple guys you might want to just invest a couple bucks on. Hmm. 100 to 1, Stuart Sink. 80 to 1, Jason Kokrak as my dark horse and contender. Both of them have two wins on the PGA Tour this season. Do not sleep on them. My winner, Colin Morikawa, a major champion already. I love it. It would be nice if one of these overlapping picks that we have actually came through. So people thought we knew what the hell we're talking about, but we don't. I mean, we do. No, we, we totally do. It's There's 156 guys in this tournament. And like, yeah. I think there's 20-something amateurs. Like, sure, we, we're not going to pick them. But outside of that, anybody could – not quite anybody, but there's probably 80 guys who could win it. Isn't Colin Morikawa – didn't you call him before he won the PGA Championship last year? I did. I did correctly identify him as the winner of that of that event, yes. There you go. Maybe you correctly identify him as the winner of the U.S. Open as well. Folks, at, at some point, you're going to have to start thinking about just like picking the same person every time and waiting for like If you think that Xander is going to win a major, you got to include him in every pick. So, so you get covered when he when he wins. People are fading Xander this week. It'll probably be the week that he gets it done when everyone's kind of like, might be. ah, he's Xander always going to he's always got a chance. He's always around. I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I saw a lot of people really kind of diminishing his chances to win this tournament, which I, again, don't really understand. His his record is sterling. He just hasn't. Just hasn't gotten it done yet. It's Nick, as we say many times, it's tough to win majors. It's hard. It's, it's hard. difficult. Trust me. We're, we're going to give it a shot next weekend. <laughs> we we are. Nick and I are heading to the Corner Club Open. That's our U.S. Open. Um, I I hope we're going to get a, a review podcast, but we may be too busy. I'll I'll say this much: if uh, if Colin Morikawa or one of our winners takes it, we'll at least put an emergency pod up to review that, and uh, that'll be that, folks. Please. Turn 10 at checkout, precisionpro.com. Use that promo code, turn10, precisionprogolf.com. Nick, you had something else you wanted to add there? Nope. No, I was just going to say, I, I need to overlay the uh, U.S. Open tee times and the Quantum Open tee times and kind of figure out what my viewing schedule is going to be. That's all. 
we have to reach out to some people over the next few days. Enjoy the tournament, and we'll hopefully talk to you next week. If not, we'll be back very soon. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time at The Turn.